Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Uh, but tonight we're going we're gonna to begin this series on the prayers of Jesus Christ. Prayer, as, is, as you know, it is a, a central part of the Bible. And I've said a couple of times in introducing this series that I think it's a good practice at the beginning of the year to do a series on prayer, to reemphasize the priority of prayer. So sometimes I'll do that on Sunday mornings. Uh, this year I've chosen to do that on a Wednesday night. We're going to be talking about the prayers of Jesus Christ. The passage uh, for tonight anyway in, in Romans chapter 12 verse 12 says this, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Now depending on the version that you're using, the Bible uh, version that you're using, that, that passage might say be devoted in prayer or be faithful in prayer. That word devoted actually means to be set apart for a specific use, a particular, uh, a particular purpose. And so how many knows that the normal, this is in your notes as well, the normal Christian life is a life that is devoted to prayer. We as Christians should be devoted to prayer. So, and, and many Christians do pray um, most Christians do pray. In fact, most Americans report that they do pray. I was looking at some statistics this week um, regarding this, and um, on average, 79% of Americans say they have prayed within the last, at least the last three months, they've prayed at least one time. 79% of Americans say they've prayed in the last three months. Now over 50%, I think it's like 54, it's probably a little bit closer to um, 55%. 55% of Americans uh, pray every day. They say, I pray every day. So I mean, that's a high percentage of folks that do believe in prayer, at least believe in prayer, and do make some attempt uh, at prayer. And that's not only Christians, but that's all Americans. Uh, yet, uh, prayer is sometimes a frustration for a lot of folks. So, you know, we all believe in prayer. We all practice prayer at some level and to some extent, but, frust but prayer continues to be a frustration for many people. In fact, here's a statistic that I was surprised. I, I, I mean, I was I was not surprised by, I was surprised by how low it was. Um, but, but one statistic that I found this week said less than 3.5% of the people who do pray, those 79% of the people who say they do pray, 55% of the people who say they pray every day, less than 3.5% of those people who do pray say that they are satisfied with their prayer life. So that means there's a vast majority of the people who do pray, who say prayer is important to me, I do practice prayer, at least you know, regularly, if not daily, I pray. The vast majority of those people who report that they do pray say they're still not satisfied with their prayer life. Now, there could be lots of different reasons why 
uh, they are not satisfied with their prayer life, reasons why you may not be satisfied with your prayer life. It might be that you feel like you need to be spending more time in prayer. Uh, maybe, you know, the prayer feels uh, wooden or it feels difficult or you're not really sure what you're doing when you pray or you're not seeing results when you pray. So there could be a lot of reasons why people are not satisfied with their prayer life. But the point uh, still remains that a lot of people are not satisfied with their prayer uh, life. They're, they don't feel like they're getting as much out of it as they ought to be getting out of their prayer life. So it remains a source of frustration for many people. And, and the reality is, is that there's a large discrepancy between the theory of prayer, that we believe in prayer, and at least our satisfaction with the practice of prayer, how we pray, and what we experience when we pray. The problem is or one of the problems uh, may be is that we're not always sure how to pray. Anybody ever felt that way before? Not, not always sure about how to pray. Well, the Bible actually talks about that in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I think I've got this passage for you, at least on the screen. Romans chapter 8, verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. I mean, it felt that way before. Many of us, we don't know how we ought to pray, uh, so we feel confusion or frustration. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Aren't you thankful for the help of the Holy, Holy Ghost that he helps us even when we don't know what to pray, we don't know how to pray, we don't know what we should pray for. The Holy Spirit comes he is the helper. He's the counselor. Amen. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and helps us uh, to pray. Well, how does the Spirit help us to pray? In several ways, actually, uh, including uh, giving us that prayer language that we as Pentecostals appreciate and that we understand that the Holy Spirit intercedes through us with words that are beyond our understanding, groanings. Uh, that, that are beyond the words that we can formulate. But another way that the Holy Spirit can help us pray is that the Holy Spirit helps us by reminding us about what Jesus Christ taught us about prayer. Do you remember this? In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. The Comforter is going to come to you. And when the Holy Spirit comes to you, Jesus said he'll do several things, and one of the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit will do is he said the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I've told you. Everything that I've taught you, everything I've said to you, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to remind you of what I have taught you. And this is in your notes as well. How many knows Jesus is the best teacher and Jesus is the best role model for a disciple who wants to know how to pray more effectively, or how to improve their prayer life. When nobody can teach us how to pray like Jesus can teach us how to pray. Amen? And that's what this series is about, is about asking Jesus Christ as we look through the prayers of Jesus, as we look at the life of Jesus Christ, that we're going to ask the Lord, teach us, Lord, how to pray. In fact, that's what the disciples asked Jesus on one occasion in Luke chapter 11, uh, which, is, which contains the Lord's Prayer, which is one of the prayers that we're going to be talking about in this series. 
But remember, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now listen, the problem with the disciples and and their prayer life, the disciples were experiencing what we experience sometimes too. They weren't happy with their own prayer life. And so they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And now we need to understand this. The, The problem that the disciples had was not that they didn't know how to pray. It, it, that wasn't the case. They were, they were Jews, and they were raised from a very early age. In fact, every male Jew uh, was taught prayers, taught how to pray. And, and so the problem wasn't that they didn't know technically how to pray. It, it wasn't that they didn't know words to use. Uh, it wasn't that they didn't know anything at all about prayer. Uh, They would have known how to pray, just like most of us as Christians, we know how uh, to pray. The problem was that they didn't know how to pray like Jesus prayed, because they noticed a difference between how they prayed and how Jesus prayed. So they saw the difference in Jesus's praying and so they said, we don't pray like Jesus prays. Uh, we don't have the kind of prayer life he has, but we want the kind of prayer life that he has. We want the kind of results that come from the prayer life that Jesus has. And so that's why they came to Jesus and asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. They noted that there was a marked difference in the prayer life of Jesus Christ. So they wanted to learn how to pray from Jesus. What they wanted was a mentor. They were his disciples. And so they wanted to learn from his teaching. They wanted to learn from his example of how he prayed. And that's what this entire series is about. We're going we're gonna to study the prayers of Jesus Christ. I saw this quote the other day. By studying the prayers and the praying habits of the greatest master of prayer, then the, then the significance of prayer, the motivations that drive prayer, and the essence of its practice can be freshly caught. And that's what we want to happen. It's not just because prayer is not something that necessarily can be taught, the mechanics of it can, the technical parts of it can be, but we want to catch the spirit of Jesus's prayer life and ask him to teach us to pray with that same kind of fervency, that same kind of understanding, so that we'll have the same kind of results in our own life. If you want that, would you just say amen tonight. That's what I desired God to do in my life and in our lives through this series. And so we're going to look at the prayers of Jesus. There are seven recorded prayers of Jesus uh, in the gospel. And so we're going to go through those one by one. We'll take each one in turn. But first, before we begin to look at the individual prayers of Jesus, we have to look at the context of prayer in the life of Jesus Christ. So we're going to begin with an overview of prayer in the life of Jesus. And then, so we'll do that tonight. And then uh, next week, we're going to talk about the greatest innovation in prayer that Jesus 
taught us. And that is that he taught us that when we pray, we can address God as Abba or as Father, our Father. So we're going to take a whole uh, lesson next week, and we're going to talk about addressing God, praying to God as Abba or Abba, our Father. But tonight I want to discuss the prayer life, prayer in the life of Jesus by looking at three main things, and these are in your notes. Uh, we're going to talk about his attitude about prayer. Then we're going to talk a little bit about his practice of prayer. And then finally, his instructions for us uh, regarding prayer. So first of all, let's look, about, look at his attitude, the Lord's attitude about prayer. Now, one of the things that hinders our prayers is our attitude about prayer, is our attitude. And our, our typical attitudes about prayer deviate from those of Jesus Christ in at least two significant ways. Our attitude about prayer is different than Jesus' attitude about prayer in, in two significant ways. Number one, Jesus prayed regularly uh, not because it was a ritual, but because of his relationship with the Father. So he didn't, he didn't pray out of a ritual. It wasn't just uh, something that he did. It wasn't a box that he checked off on his to-do list every day. So it wasn't something that was driven by ritual. It was, it was prayer was something that was driven by his relationship uh, with his father. Therefore, prayer, was an, prayer to him was an opportunity to communicate with the father. It was the opportunity that he had to talk to his father, for his father to talk uh, to him. Prayer was the natural expression of his relationship with his father. It wasn't just something that he said, well, I know I, I ought to do this. I'm, you know, I need to pray. I should pray. And sometimes that's the way that we approach prayer. We just see it as a ritual, something that we ought to do. We sometimes see it as merely as a discipline of devotion in our life. Now, listen, I don't think discipline is a bad word. I believe in spiritual disciplines. I believe there's that, you know, you need to have that discipline of devotion in your life. You need to read God's word and you, have to, you need to pray. And there's sometimes when you don't feel like praying, you need to pray and you need to seek God's face. So I don't think discipline is a bad word, but I think that if prayer, if, if that's all that prayer is, in your life, then you're missing an important dimension of praying. Because Jesus' attitude about prayer was not that it was just a spiritual discipline. It wasn't just a ritual. It wasn't something that he did every day because it was a habit. Now, it was a habit, but it wasn't something he did because it was a habit. No, what drove his prayer life was his desire to maintain a relationship with his father. How many knows you can't have a relationship with somebody that you're not communicating with, that you're not talking to, right? Uh, you know, you can, uh, I mean, you can, I guess, legally have a relationship, but it's not much of a relationship if you're not communicating and you're not talking, right? Uh, Irene and I, you know, we're, we're married, but to keep that relationship vital and close and active, then we have to communicate and we have to talk every day. So it wouldn't be much of a marriage if, if we didn't communicate and talk. And so Jesus's main attitude about prayer was that he prayed because he needed that, he depended on that relationship 
with his father. It was driven because of his love for the father and his desire to communicate with, with God. Um, so it flowed out of his communion with God. It flowed into his communication with God the Father. Martin Luther said this, or he said something similar uh, to this. This is not the exact quote. But he said, prayer is the breath of a Christian. That prayer is to a Christian like breathing is to our, or prayer is to our spiritual life like breathing is to our natural life. Our relationship with God is maintained through our communication uh, with God. So Jesus' main attitude about prayer was that it was driven by his relationship with the Father. It was, he saw it as an opportunity to communicate uh, with, with his Father. So it wasn't an inconvenience. It wasn't something that he had to just make time for. He did. We'll talk more about that in a second. But it was something that he was delighted to make time for because of his relationship with his, his Father. But there's a second way that our attitude sometimes deviates from the attitude of Jesus Christ. And that is, secondly, prayer was the means by which Jesus conformed himself to God's will. Prayer was the opportunity that he had to communicate with the Father, to talk to the Father, for the Father to talk, talk to him. And prayer was the means by which Jesus conformed himself to the will of the Father. Now that's different from our attitude because sometimes our attitude about prayer is that we see prayer as the opportunity for us to try to conform God to our will, right? We try to convince him, God, this is what I want and if I could just, God, if through my praying I could bring you around to my way of thinking, that we may not say it that way, but that's sometimes our attitude about prayer is that prayer, the point of prayer we think sometimes is trying to convince God to think what we think. Convince God that we've got a better idea than he has, right? God, I want you to do this because these are the reasons why I think that you ought to do this. But that was not Jesus' attitude about prayer. Jesus' attitude about prayer was this was an opportunity for him to get alone with the Father, to hear from God, and to understand and to know what God's will, the Father's will was for him so that he could be conformed perfectly into, into the will that God had for him. You remember Jesus said, he said, I don't do anything unless what? I hear it. I don't say anything that I don't hear my Father say to me first. I don't do anything that unless the Father has told me to do it. How did, how did he know what to say? How did he know what to do? It was in his time that he spent in prayer that he heard from the Father and the fa he spoke what the Father, only what the Father said. And he did only what the Father told him uh, to do. So in prayer, he wasn't wrestling with the Father, trying to get the Father to do what he wanted to do. They were one together. And it was in prayer in which he was conformed to the perfect will of God the Father. And so Jesus' attitude about prayer was that it was driven by his relationship, his need for a relationship with God the Father, 
his need to stay in, in tune and in touch and to stay aligned with the will of God, the will of Father, the Father in his life. He prayed so that he would know what God wanted him to do, the Father wanted him to do, and that God the Father would give him the power to, to be able to do it. And the fundamental relationship of prayer for us ought to be that he is God and we are not. Amen? That means that he sets the agenda, we don't set the agenda, right? And we go to him so that we can get on his agenda, not get to get him on our agenda. And so that's how Jesus viewed prayer. Was, it was his opportunity to communicate with the Father and to be conformed to the Father's will so that he could be completely obedient to everything the Father said to say and to do. Um, so prayer is about alignment. It's about us maintaining a relationship with God in which we say, God, you are God. You are my creator. You are my father. You are my Lord. And, and I want my will to be conformed uh, to your will. So that was Jesus's attitude about prayer. Let's look briefly then at his practice of prayer. Jesus's practice of prayer. First of all, prayer was a part of his daily routine. Prayer was a part of Jesus's daily routine and it was a part of his preparation for crucial events in his, in his life. Um, Jesus did not pray routine prayers, but he did pray routinely. <laughs> that means that he did have a, a normal routine of seeking God's face. And I believe that daily prayer is something that is essential to the Christian life. Amen? Sometimes the only time that we pray is when we are in an emergency, right? God, I need your help, please. I need you to come through uh, in this situation. And so many of us, many of us pray before major decisions. We pray when we're facing uh, crises in our life. But unfortunately, sometimes we fail to pray routinely. And it might be that some major crises in our life might not be so major if, if we had a daily routine of seeking God's face and aligning ourselves with the will of God in our life. Jesus made prayer a part of his daily routine. He sought God and sought God's will for his life on a regular basis. Number two, Jesus, in his practice of prayer, Jesus preferred to pray in solitude. In solitude. Now, he chose to pray in Solitude, because, of course, he wanted to avoid distractions. Um, there's a great story in the Gospel of Mark um, where Jesus is ministering to people. He has healed uh, scores of folks. And then the Bible says, and then he went away, got by himself in a desolate place. And it wasn't long before the disciples, I believe it was the next morning, the disciples found him and said, well, there you are. 
Everybody's looking for you, and why don't you come back? There are more people to heal. There's more sermons to preach. There are more things for you uh, to do. How many knows that there will always be the pressure of the urgent in our life, and the devil will always try to put things in our life to keep us from praying, all right? And that's why we have to sometimes get away from the distractions in our life, find a place of solitude in our life so that we can spend that time with God the Father. So Jesus got away to avoid distractions. He got alone in the presence of the Father so that he could hear the Father clearly so that he would not be distracted or confused by the voices of other people around him so that he could focus on the Father and hear the Father's voice and know his will. So how do you achieve uh, solitude? Well, it means you have to set aside a time. Jesus often rose early in the morning, the Bible says, and he would go then to a desolate place. So sometimes you have to set aside a time. You have to find a place. In other words, you have to be intentional about creating the space that you need to get alone with God and spend time in his presence because it's essential. Jesus preferred to pray in solitude, and we need to seek out that same kind of secret place in our own life where we spend time with God the Father. That's what Jesus encouraged us to do in Matthew chapter 6. I think it's verse number 6 where he encourages us to get alone, to get in a secret place, and to pray to our Father who is in secret. So we need to uh, find that place of solitude. Then, uh, number three. So Jesus preferred to pray in solitude. Number three, his praying involved more than just talking. A lot of our praying is just talking to God, telling him about all of our problems, giving him all of our requests. And listen, I, I don't think those are bad things at all. God instructs us. We ought to do those things. But if, if during praying, the only person that is talking and we're doing all of the talking, then how many knows we're not hearing anything from the Lord? Jesus, in, in his praying, his praying involved more than talking. It involved contemplation and reflection. It, it involved listening and meditating as well. Again, aligning himself, allowing the Holy Spirit or allowing God the Father to speak to him and to direct him. Soren Kierkegaard once observed that the more that we understand prayer, the less we actually talk during prayer because he said prayer is essentially listening to God, getting in that place of solitude, getting that to that place in the presence of God where we can hear the voice of the Father uh, speaking to us. So praying involves more than just us talking to God. It's us listening to him and receiving from him. Then number four, uh, Jesus in his prayer, he moved seamlessly between prayer and work. That means that Jesus always maintained a, a spirit of prayer. And God's word tells us that we also, that we ought to pray without ceasing, that we ought to pray. How many knows what praying without ceasing means? It means keeping that kind of constant open channel between us 
in God, to pray and to work and to live with an awareness of the presence of God uh, in, in our life. Jesus, in fact, was constantly in the presence of God the Father. He was always aware of what God was saying and what God was doing, and so we need to live with that same kind of awareness that we can pass easily from from working to praying, from recreating to praying, hearing God's voice. Work and prayer were not separate in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. We can, we can pray while we work. But as the song says, you can whistle while you work, right? I believe praying while you work is much better, amen? We can pray while we work, and we can allow God to pervade every area of our life and live with a constant awareness of his presence around us, amen? That while we're walking through Walmart or wherever we're at work or at school or wherever we're at, we can keep our minds uh, aware of the fact that God is always with us and that any moment he may, he may speak, he may prompt, he may nudge, uh, he may uh, do something in our lives. Jesus lived with that kind of awareness and that's what it means to be constantly praying, constantly having a, a, a line of communication open with God the Father, remaining aware and being responsive to his promptings. Now, finally, let's talk about uh, so we've talked about Jesus' practice of prayer. Let's talk finally about his instructions for prayer. Now, we're going to be discussing some of the specific instructions about prayer as we go along and we look at the seven prayers of Jesus Christ. Uh, but there are five basic principles that emerge from Jesus' instructions uh, on prayer to us. And so I want to go through these uh, relatively quickly, and then we're going to come to a place where we're going to spend some time praying. Number one, uh, it takes courage to pray. It takes courage to pray. And, and by that, I mean it takes courage to really pray. Um, because when you really pray, what you're doing is you're opening yourselves up, yourself up to the will of God the Father. Again, you're not just giving him your laundry list and saying, God, I want you to do this. Please do this. Lord, would you please help me this? That's appropriate. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll talk more about that. But to genuinely pray means to enter into the presence of God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. How many of those, uh, by the way, that's, that's an awesome privilege that God has given to us that at any time we can enter into his presence. In fact, God's word says that not only do we have the privilege of doing that, but what does God's word says, say? It says we can come to him boldly. That we need to come to him boldly with great confidence in our heart. So it takes courage to genuinely pray because you are inserting yourself into God's sovereign plan. You're opening yourselves up to the purpose and to the calling of God, making yourselves available to his, his spirit. Amen? So it takes courage to pray. Number two, true prayer is private prayer. True prayer is private. Now, that doesn't mean you can't pray publicly or that you can't pray public prayers, 
It only means that the essence of true prayer is a private connection between your heart and God the Father. It's that line of communication between you and God. So um, prayer is a relationship between us and God the Father, seeking him sincerely. And our prayers are not intended to impress others. Um, I've, have you ever been, but I hesitate to even say it this way tonight, but have you ever been jealous of somebody else's praying before? Because they use such great words and it sounds so eloquent when they pray and you're thinking, man, I wish that I could pray uh, like that. But listen, prayer is not about the eloquence of the words that we use. It's not intended to impress anybody else. Uh, true prayer, genuine prayer is our heart connecting, communicating with God the Father. Amen? So true prayer is private prayer. And then number three, effective prayer is offered by faith, in faith. God's Word tells us, Jesus tells us that we need to pray in faith. That is that we need to pray with an, a, a conviction in our heart that God is able to hear and answer our prayers. Amen? It's Praying by faith is learning to shift our focus from whatever obstacles or whatever needs exist in our life, shifting our focus to God, who is a God who is all-sufficient for any and every need that we have in our life. Putting our eyes, we're taking our eyes off of our problems and putting our eyes on God, who is a great God and who is a good God. So effective prayer is prayer that is offered in faith with a conviction that God is able to hear and answer our prayers. Number four, prayer requires persistence. Persistence. Um, that Jesus taught, taught us, and again, we'll talk more about this, that we ought to pray and never give up. That we ought to pray persistently. Now listen, the point of persistent prayer is that it brings us into a greater intimacy with God uh, the Father. We're, again, we're not trying to coerce God into doing something. We're hoping to bring ourselves to an awareness of what God desires to do in our life, in our situation. But prayer requires persistence. And then number five, praying involves personal submission. Submission. Again, being willing to submit our agenda to his agenda. Our will to his will. Being willing to be conformed into what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. But let's end with this statement. The foundation of everything that Jesus taught us about prayer, everything that Jesus modeled for us about prayer, the foundation of everything about prayer in the life of Jesus Christ is the goodness of God, that we serve a good God who loves us and wants to do good to us. Amen? And prayer is the means by which we 
enter into that relationship. We align ourselves with his will. Prayer, uh, prayer is not over. You may have heard me say this before. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but it's laying hold of his abundance. That God wants to do good to us. God loves us. God, God has a good plan for our lives. You believe that tonight? God has a good plan for our lives. He wants to do good. And prayer is bringing our will into alignment with God's willingness. Because God desires to do good things for us. I was reading recently in the gospel accounts, and there are several similar accounts uh, to this. But it, it was the one story about the leper who came to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And do you remember what Jesus replied, how Jesus replied to that leper? He said, I am willing, be clean. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who is not only, not only is he able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything that we ask or even imagine but that we serve, he's able to do that. Do you believe that tonight? But not only is he able to do those things, but he is willing to do those things in our life. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play App Store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.